Would you welcome Pastor Sarah as she comes up to speak? And I just want to, I need to brag about her for a little bit. So before I got here, Sarah had been volunteering with the youth for, what, three, two years, three years before? Two years. Two years before I got here. And when I got here, Sarah was just on fire about sharing Jesus with our youth. And uh, I had no idea about her testimony, her story. She's going to share a little bit of her story today. Uh, But when I found out what the Lord has done in her life, I couldn't help but just step back and go, whoa, God, this is an example of a life that was that was broken that was in need of something and she surrendered to jesus and god is using her in such mighty ways today and so i just want to honor her because she she has been so faithful in the midst of hard seasons so one more time give it up for pastor sarah thanks guys he's just gonna try and make me cry right off the bat i got tissues for that though um well good morning um like like said i'm pastor sarah i'm happy to be here Um, As the youth pastor and kids ministry director here, um, this is my first time doing a message for a congregation. I'm really excited. (laughs) I'm used to talking to teenagers, so this is a little intimidating. And so it's crazy that I'm here right now, but super cool to see where God has taken me and pulled me out of my comfort zones. Um, I have this uh, PTSD from my fifth grade self trying to stumble over reciting the 50 states and capitals to my classmates. And so that PTSD is trying to rear its leave a little head. Um, I also said never again to public speaking or singing uh, when I had to do this voice recital in front of my friends and family uh, when I was in high school. Um, I decided to sing a Cindy Lauper song, which was really dumb. Uh, <laughs> but I remember I was shaking so hard I could have caused an earthquake. Um, But I'm here today not to talk to you about how I could start an earthquake with public speaking or singing. Um, Rather, I would love to share my heart for Jesus with you all today. Um, So, like Blake said, I've been attending this church for just under five years and serving in the youth ministry for about three of those years. Um, So, as my first time speaking a message to you, I would love to share with you bits of my testimony and what I've learned through my growth in loving with Jesus. So let's pray really quick. And I'm going to breathe too, so there's that. <laughs> Jesus, um, I'm so thankful that you pull us out of our comfort, comfort zones to just grow us and teach us um, new things every day, God. And I'm thankful to be here, Lord, and I'm thankful to be able to try and encourage um, someone in this um, house this morning, God. Um, Lord, I just pray that you uh, calm my nerves and um, speak through me, Spirit, in Jesus' name. Okay, thank you. I love you. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to start off with my testimony, and if you've been in this church, you know that we do this uh, rooted Bible study. Um, And while I was in rooted, we we practiced these things called two-minute testimonies. You can ask the people in my group. I'm not good at speaking for under two minutes. But I think I can give you guys a 10-minute or 15-minute testimony, okay, at best. Um, So this is my testimony on how I fell in love with Jesus. So as a kid, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My parents took me, didn't take me to church, just wasn't a thing in my home. And when I was around eight, we got these new neighbors. And so these neighbors had a daughter who was about my age, and we became close friends. And her mom was the sweetest, and she invited me to go to church with their family. And as a kid, it was a super awesome experience because they took us to many different congregations and different types of churches. 
And I think home churches were my favorite because they had the best food. Cheryl can beat that food, though, so I'm excited for, church, or for lunch after church. Um, going to church with my neighbors plays a super important and crucial role in my testimony because the seed was planted at this point in my life. This is where God confirmed to me that he was real and Jesus was my friend. But when I was a young girl, I didn't quite know or understand what that really meant. So going into my teenage years, my friend moved to a different part of town and I stopped going to church. I hadn't gone to church in a while. And my early teenage hormones were rising and I was getting attention from boys and church wasn't even a second thought. Uh, my parents divorced during my freshman year in high school and things as a young teenager were hard because teenage angst and all that stuff, you know? During the time of my 16th birthday in uh, August of 2007, I ended up getting in trouble for underage drinking. And it wasn't really fun having to wake my mom up at 2 a.m. in the morning to tell her that there was a cop waiting out the front door to talk to her about my misfortune. Super exciting. And I know my mom's watching online and she's probably laughing at this right now. Hey, mom. Um, so yeah, I was in trouble for a while. I had to pay some fines, do some sweet community service. It was awesome. And I was grounded <laughs> well into the beginning of that school year. And another childhood friend of mine had come up to me in the hallway and asked me if I wanted to go to a youth group at one of the churches that I attended, to as, attended as a kid. Although I was grounded, it probably didn't hurt for me to ask to go. And um, I guess wanting to attend a youth service at a church was all right by my mom while I was in lockdown. Because what kind of trouble could I get into at church, right? Well, <laughs> for a while, I was that brat in the back who was throwing papers with her friends at the people doing worship, during worship service. And that was a big disruption. It was great. Uh, I think I got a good talking to by some of my... Um, youth leaders a, a couple times. They might be watching this too. Hey guys. Um, so that behavior didn't last very long though because I kept going to youth group and as I kept going to youth group, the more I listened and the more I learned and the more I found out that I wanted more. I was hooked but at, at that time I didn't quite know what that meant yet. And then that winter, we had our winter, uh, annual winter camp. Uh, they would have winter camp full around New Year's, so we would ring in the New Year's with Jesus. It was pretty sweet. Um, I decided I wanted to do this with my friends and enjoy it because I've never done any kind of youth camp experience before. But what I didn't know that would happen is that I would surrender my heart to Jesus for the first time during that New Year's Eve worship service. And it was a feeling that I would never forget. And after that, I was really hooked. I wanted more of what Jesus had for me, and I wanted to be fully in. I became part of the student leadership team. Um, I helped with projections on Sunday mornings and on youth nights, and I was at church more than I was ever at home. If you guys know Alina back there, Alina. she reminds me a lot of myself when I was her age because um, she just wants to be here and serve Jesus all the time, just like I wanted to be at my church and serve Jesus. And I remember one day running into my youth pastor's office and yelling, Pastor Jason, I think God wants me to be a youth pastor someday, which was pretty cool in hindsight. So then later that year, August 20th, 2008, I, just over a year after I had been arrested for my underage drinking, I served as, um, I was baptized, did I say that? Yeah, sorry. 
I was baptized and then served as much as I could and became part of our church's school of ministry during my freshman year of college. That's when we would travel back and forth from Kalispell to Seattle and we would take um, classes from Northwest University. It was, it was a good time. Um, I also did a couple inner city mission trips to Atlanta and those were life-changing and amazing. So then in 2010, I found out my mom was moving to Spokane Valley and I decided I wanted to go with her. I dropped everything I was working on to do this. Um, I also did so without praying about it or seeking any kind of guidance for it. I was almost 19 and I just wanted to go where my mom was going. I searched for a new church home and tried to adjust to a new life in Spokane. I had lived in my hometown of Kalispell, Montana for about 17 years and I, um, to move somewhere new, it was just really hard. I had this fallout with my friends back at home, so I had no one to talk to. I gave up on finding a church because I didn't feel like I was accepted or wanted in the church that I had tried attending. And I just didn't understand why things were so difficult. And I started placing the blame on God, which in hindsight, it just made things worse. Um, I saw all of my friends on social media living these great and wonderful lives, having fun drinking and partying and having a good time. And I was just miserable. I wanted to have that smile on my face like my friends had. And I wanted, to, I wanted what the world had to offer. So I remember driving my red 98 Dodge Intrepid down Sprague telling God, look, I'm not happy and I don't understand why you're making my life so hard for me. I think I'm going to try and do things on my own, God. I don't need you. But I wish I saw it differently. Um, life was miserable trying to find my own sense of self-happiness um, and, and self-worth. I was used by a lot of people. I dropped out of college. I spent way too much money on foolish things. And I just kept failing. Back and forth from Spokane to Post Falls to Rathdrum, Idaho back to Spokane Valley. From there, I moved from Kalispell in March of 2000, or moved to Kalispell in March of 2013. I became homeless and couch surfed for 11 months. In August of 2014, I moved to Cal Northern California, and I was miserable there for three months when I hopped on a train and moved to the Denver area. I was there for nine months before I moved back to Washington when I landed in Grant County in August of 2015. In less than five years, three really if you do the math, I lived in five different states. And I mention all these moves because they illustrate how hard it was for me to find a sense of purpose and direction in my life. I kept failing because I kept pushing God away and I kept pushing his plans for me away. And during all those moves, I had tried a couple of times to go back to different churches, but I kept getting that same feeling that I, wasn't, I, I didn't belong, I wasn't welcome. But in December of 2017, which was about 10 years since I had surrendered my life for the first time to God, I went to a Christmas Eve service sanctuary, and I heard our old pastor Rory talk about the birth of our Savior. I felt so welcomed here, and it was so wonderfully inviting. I loved the message that Pastor Rory spoke and that Christmas Eve, so I kept coming back. It was early in 2018, about February or so. I hadn't really accepted Jesus back in my life yet, but I was going through the motions and coming to church. 
and I was deep in thought at 2 o'clock one morning, thinking about all these things in my life that I had wanted, but I couldn't understand why they were so far out of reach. I wasn't thinking about talking to God about it at the time, because that just wasn't my mindset quite yet. I was just stuck in my anxious thoughts, wondering when all of these things... That's when I heard a loud voice interrupting my thoughts, sounding like it was in my room. It said, you have to wait. My eyes shot right open because I knew that it wasn't a voice in my head. I knew it wasn't my boyfriend speaking in his sleep. I knew it wasn't the dog um, sleep snoring on the floor. I knew in that moment that God was speaking directly to me. My eyes shot right open and I audibly said, okay. <laughs> That's when I grabbed my headphones and instantly started listening to the Christian music that I had been listening to 10 years prior to that. It was an immediate yes God moment. The very next morning, I found a Bible, I picked it up and I started reading. And I read and I read and I read and I could not put that Bible down. Within a month, I had all of the New Testament read and the Psalms, the Proverbs, Isaiah, maybe some Jeremiah, more. It was all read within the month because I was so thirsty for the living water that I couldn't stop uh, reading and learning and falling in love with Jesus all over again. And this, it started with a, a small mustard seed being planted in me as a kid and I know that there were a lot of people who were in my life early on who never stopped praying for me. And now I want to tell you a few things about what I learned through loving Jesus. And I know that we face our own battles and we have our own testimonies. So my prayer for my message that God has put on my heart is that it helps encourage those who feel like they don't know um, what may be next in their lives or what direction God wants you to go. We have a God who loves us and cares for us. And my testimony speaks to the goodness that God brings in our lives. There is so much more to the insanity that is my story. But I hope from the little bit that I've shared with you this morning, paired with what I'm going, about to tell you, can be encouraging to even just the one person in this room this morning. So here is what I learned through loving Jesus. I'm going to take a lot of it first. And the first thing I learned was what it takes to have faith. So when I was a teenager and um, serving as a student leader, I didn't do much of reading my Bible. And I had a really cool Bible, so I had no excuses. I tried. I read some scripture here and there, but I didn't really fully engage other than learning through sermons or my theology classes during school of ministry. But since coming back to Jesus, I've learned a little bit more about what it takes to um, believe and have faith. Faith isn't just sitting in belief and reading a couple Bible verses, well-known Bible verses, to feel motivated. It's knowing the word, living in the word, and loving through the word. And the word is Jesus, right? John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning, the word already existed, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word is Jesus. But it wasn't until I fully learned how to wear the armor of God that this all made sense to me. I was visiting Kalispell and I decided to visit my old church and go to a service there and they started talking about a new series called Battle Ready, which was speaking on the armor of God. 
it was through that uh, message that I had this aha moment that I never really knew how to wear my armor. And if you don't know what the armor is, I'm going to read it to you right now. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And I'm going to read to you through the NLT version, the New Living Translation, because it works really well with my ADHD. So here's what it says. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, if you don't know, if you've never heard of that scripture before or you've, you don't know what the armor is, I highly encourage you to do a study in Ephesians 6. I'm doing it on right now, and my daily homework that I did this morning was um, about the truth and uh, how it set you, sets you free. It's pretty awesome. But learning how to wear my armor, it wasn't easy, but it was crucial. I was going through so many hard things at the time that I started learning about this, but it played this crucial role in understanding my cry for Jesus while I searched for hope in the midst of my trials. I needed that shield of faith. So I put my belt on, I wore my breastplate of God's righteousness over my heart, I stood firm in the peace that the good news brought me, my shield of faith was heavy, but I kept holding it up and steady. My helmet of salvation wasn't going to budge, and I brought the sword of the Spirit wherever I went. And with all my armor on, I found myself at one point, um, early on in my refound salvation, at what is now one of my favorite places to go to get quiet with God. If you follow me on social media, you know what I'm talking about, but this place has no cell service and just the sound of a powerful waterfall. My burdens at the time, they were heavy, and I didn't know what else to do but to cry out to God. I was on my knees, and I was sobbing and asking God for some kind of sense of hope. In that moment, I felt God's hands over me and his still small but mighty voice told me, be still child, I am with you. My sobbing stopped and I took a deep breath and I felt this sense of hope flood right over me. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. And that is what God was speaking to me in that moment. And this was when God confirmed the hope in my faith and salvation. That he confirmed that he would never leave me and he would never fail me. Which is the second thing that I learned through loving Jesus. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, and do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And then in verse 8 it says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you 
nor abandon you. And in the context of this scripture in Deuteronomy, Moses was encouraging Joshua and the Israelites with God's promises to them. They were facing some difficult situations and they were afraid. And I know that I've faced some trials and I've been afraid of the outcome. But as God was using Moses to encourage the Israelites, he is trying to encourage us today to be strong and courageous. And he does this through the words of Paul in the book of Romans. And uh, Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or on the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Very seldom can I read that scripture without crying, so I'm doing good already. (laughs) But if I was to have a physical shield of faith, I think that would be the scripture that would be engraved on it, and I guess that's why I have it tattooed on my leg, but I digress. (laughs) But um, when we did that rooted study a few years ago, Jesus revealed to me places in my old life where he was with me, even if I wasn't letting him near me. He was still close. Even, if, even though I said peace out to him, he still stayed close to me, showing me that he is, was, and always will be with me. I learned about God's closeness and learned how to lean on his pr- promises over me. I learned how the enemy can use special darts to try and break me from my faith, special darts like guilt from the past, shame for my mistakes, and temptations to make me turn away from God. I knew that God wasn't going to leave me, but what about my heavy burdens and my anxieties that caused me to leave in the first place? The things that made my life difficult and wanting me to give up and start all over again. These darts were shielded by discovering the importance of how to let go and let God. So what does that mean? Well, I'm gonna tell you, because that's the next thing that I learned, is that God will catch you when you let go. I had a lot going on as I was beginning to learn how to lean on Jesus. A lot of anxieties and burdens I didn't know how to handle and I didn't know what to do other than pray and ask God to intervene on my difficulties. And I mean, at least that much I knew to do, right? So one day I was getting ready to leave town and I was um, heading to the gas station listening to the radio And the people were talking about how to lift up your burdens to God and to let him take them, essentially learning how to let go and let God. I remember thinking about how I could apply this to my own life, but also what I needed to let go of. And I walked into the gas station, and there was red gas. That's why I have these. If you didn't know Fred, he was a Jesus-loving car fanatic. He lost his battle to cancer a couple months ago, but we know he gained so much more. Fred knew a couple of things that I've been struggling with. Things that he related to, and he wanted to encourage me through it. He told me in the gas station that day that there are things in life that we can't handle on our own. 
some things that we need to let go to Jesus and let God do his work in us. And I'll never forget about that conversation because it was this foundational moment in my faith and it was one of the biggest confirmations that God had given to me and he used Fred to confirm that word for me. It was truly Romans 8.28 in action, which says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So these anxieties that I was facing were far more than I could handle. And God was telling me loud and clear, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you, as it says in 1 Peter 5.7. But how do I do this? How do I take everything that I worry about and let God take it when I've tried for so long to take these reins? I know how God answered that prayer. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Prayer. Prayer is how I learned how to let go and let God. And experiencing that peace that exceeds anything that we can understand is truly a feeling that I don't know how I could explain to you because it's just beautiful. Because he cares for you. I learned how to let go of things that troubled me things that the enemy was trying to use as fiery darts, darts of temptation and guilt. And leaning on this helped me learn how wonderful it is to actually trust Jesus. So that's the next thing I learned through loving Jesus is how to trust Jesus' way and not my way. Proverbs 3, 5-6 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. This was, and still is, my anthem against anxiety. But this was a big deal for me in my testimony because I didn't trust Jesus when I turned away from him when I was 19. But in my new and improved faith, I realized how abundant and fulfilling living life with Jesus really was. Even in all my trials and chaos, I learned that I had to decrease as he was to increase. Like it says in John 3.30, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less because he has better plans for me than I could have ever imagined. He brought me out of the depths into his place of peace and abundance, starting with me saying yes and okay to him with no hesitation. And this is why each new change or challenge that I face now, I call it this new season of saying yes to Jesus. My first yes was not even hesitating when Pastor Rory asked if I wanted to try out this youth ministry uh, thing in early 2019. And the most recent new season has been my position as a kids ministry director. It's been challenging but exciting and fulfilling and I've been learning a whole lot more than I could have ever imagined. But there have been times when I look back at the last four years and wonder why God has little old me doing any of this. I started at zero, what I thought. Like, I felt like I had nothing to offer. Zero, zilch, nothing. Yet from nothing, I have seen so much fruit. And I don't put any of that on myself because it was all Jesus, y'all. 
There is something to be said about trusting in Jesus to be fruitful with little to nothing to offer. I see all of this being parallel to the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 in Luke uh, chapter 9. Um, this story was about a crowd of people who were following Jesus because of all the miracles and wonders he was bringing. And Jesus tells the disciples to feed them. And this is what the disciples reply. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there are about 5,000 men there. Jesus replied to them, Tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And here the key part is that the five loaves and two fish went through Jesus first to create plenty to feed the 5,000 plus people in the crowds. That alone is incredible. Here the disciples had to trust Jesus with what was seemingly nothing for it to become plentiful. And likewise for me, as though I felt as if I had nothing to offer, Jesus has taken what I have and he's made it plentiful. And I believe that it was from being able to surrender the my way or the highway mindset that I had and learned how to trust Jesus that was how I discovered the peace that Jesus brings through the true joy, which is the next thing I learned through Jesus, is that happiness is circumstantial, but joy is peace. The first time I heard happiness is circumstantial is when Pastor Rory and I were chatting, and he asked me, how is your soul? And that was a tough question for me, because I was um, healing from some really hard things at the time, and I told him I just wanted to be happy. And his response was that happiness is circumstantial and what I was looking for was actually joy. We talked about that for a little bit, but I had to chew on it for a while because I was always in that do what makes you happy mindset, right? It's what everybody says. Do what makes you happy. But I look back and on my trials that in life that started with me searching for some kind of happiness and it always turned into disappointment. I discovered that through all of my trials, that if I was to keep searching for things that made me happy, without Jesus, that happiness would just keep turning into disappointment. With Jesus, even in the chaos, I can find joy. James 1, 2 through 4 says, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity of great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Meaning, there is fullness of joy in Jesus Christ. So with my trust in Jesus and my fullness of joy in him, I began to understand that when things got hard, he was there to lift my burdens and would, never com uh, would always comfort me in the chaos. Says in John 16:33 to the disciples, he also says to us that here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. God knew that when sin entered the world, that things for his people were going to be hard. And because he loves us, 
he sent his son to overcome the world, lifting our burdens. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This is far more than happiness. He is joy and peace. Amen? So these are the things that I've learned through loving Jesus. I learned what it takes to have faith, that God will never leave you nor forsake you, God will catch you when you let go. Learned how to trust Jesus' way and not my way, because that way sucks. <laughs> and that happiness is circumstantial, but true joy is peace. So through everything that Jesus has taught me, it has brought me to this place of passion. See, I struggled severely through my years of pushing Jesus away, thinking that I could do things my way that I could find whatever happiness I was searching for when I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know who I was or what I wanted, and because of that, I failed time and time again. And as soon as I heard God's calling on my life, I began to say yes to him. And then I started soaking in every little thing that he was teaching me as I fell deeper and deeper in love with him. And with each lesson that I learned through that love, he ignited this fire in my heart for a few things that I never thought I would really care about. I believe in the transforming power sorry, of Jesus that brings us to that place of passion. As it says in Romans 12:2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So I believe that God's will for me brought me through a great transformation, and I believe that he can do that for anyone who accepts Jesus into their hearts. He can bring us to a better understanding of who we are in Jesus Christ, because as I searched high and low for my place in life, trying to discover who I was, Jesus had a better plan for me. And he helped me discover that I'm now passionate about kids' ministry, youth ministry, duh, <laughs> and my health and fitness, which that one was a little weird for me at first because I've fought this hard battle of weight loss since I've moved here. And if you didn't know me before, in 2015 when I moved here, I was 230 pounds, um, and then I lost 90 pounds within my first year here. I gained half of it back, lost it, gained it, so on. It's just been a battle, but within the last year, um, some things have changed and I've lost 45 pounds. It's just been this roller coaster of emotions fighting this fitness and health journey. But I believe God transformed my mind from that subject being something of vanity and pride to providing it as a way to keep up with my job as a custodian um, at the school district and also to keep up with the kids in the youth ministry. I'm about to embark on this nine-day journey to camp um, with the middle schoolers and high schoolers in a few weeks. Amen. Thank you for your support, by the way. We have surpassed our goal by almost double. So, yeah. It's amazing. You guys are awesome. So, I'm going to need all of the fitness and health prep that I can get, and I know God can provide that for me. 
I've also learned a couple of things about the way that I used to eat that affected me negatively, that kept me fatigued and anxious. And through a lot of prayer and asking God to help open doors um, to show me why I was dealing with certain symptoms such as insomnia and inflammation, I discovered this fitness and health nutrition program that's helped me overcome a lot of issues that I have. But learning about food and nutrition has been my favorite part. Did you know, fun fact, that cooking a potato has incredible health uh, benefits. So each time a potato is cooked, cooled, and then reheated, it creates what's called more resistant starches, which allow major health benefits in your system. And I'd go into the science, but I'm not going to bore you with it. I just laugh at this knowledge because it's this really popular thing on social media to compare yourself to a potato. Like there's a, a meme that says, um, me when my alarm clock wakes up and it's this picture of this roasted potato and it says, let potato rest for five minutes. <laughs> That's me. Another funny one says, I may be shaped like a potato, but at least I'm a confident potato. <laughs> I also have a shirt that says recovering couch potato. So... Um, I got to thinking about what kind of potato I would be, what I would compare myself to as I was learning the health benefits of them. And I'm like, well, as a teenager, I was a once-cooked potato when I gave my life to Jesus for the first time. But then I fell away from the faith, and I cooled off, but then I was reheated into a new faith. And as the reheated potato has more health benefits than before, there is so much more fulfillment in my reignited faith. I'm a twice-baked potato. Okay, enough cringy youth pastor business now. Um, <laughs> I want to... <laughs> I know I'm hungry now. Do we, have, do we have potatoes today? I want to conclude by expressing to you how amazing it is to love and be loved by an awesome God. There is no greater love than this, and I wish I could go back and tell my younger self how to wear her armor. I unfortunately can't, but I believe that is why God has put youth ministry on my heart, why I'm so passionate about it. Because I look at each of these students and, uh, that I pastor and disciple, and I pray that God shows me how to teach them how to wear their armor, how to show them how to truly love God and to trust in Him and lean on Him when the going gets tough. And I pray for that over you too, church, that... Um, this world is nuts, for a lack of a better word, but at least the gas prices are going down. But we have this truly awesome God that can give us peace through whatever trials and chaos that we endure. Each and every one of us face our own battles every day, and our battles all look different. Some of us may be facing medical battles. Some are facing loss of loved ones. Some may be going through unexpected change or a financial struggle. And some of you may be ready for a change but confused at which road to take. Or maybe you're like my 19-year-old self and you're looking out towards what the world has to offer. But I want to encourage you, church, to keep on seeking Jesus. Keep praying and never stop seeking guidance from him because you never know what path he'll take you on when you're faithful to him and trust that he can, where he can take you because he can bring you to a place of passion that you never knew existed. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for always being faithful to us, even when we fall short, even when we fail. 
Father, I pray that you cover each and every one of us with your transformative power that can bring us to a place of passion, a place that only you can bring us. You know the plans you have for us. We don't. And God, I pray that your love surrounds us and keeps us on the path to righteousness. Help us to know which direction to go and encourage us when the path gets rocky. We trust you in this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.